wanted to throw a quick intro on this one because we recorded in kind of a funny way. Um, or I'm I'm dividing it up. We recorded it all at once, but I wanted this feels like a standalone piece, so I'm putting it by itself. And because in the first episode we touched on some some subjects, and I feel like we kind of we were afraid that we kind of softballed it a little bit, and so we wanted to be, just be very clear about how we feel about all these things. And so concerning the Confederate flag, spoiler alert displaying the confederate flag is always bullshit and so we unpack that a little bit and how we feel about it and and why we feel that way and i and i i give examples from when i grew up and the environment i was in as a kid so that's not that's there's really nothing ambiguous or unclear about about any of that um, and the, the next part is the next, the next part is a little more subtle. And so we're just trying to reflect on and consider what happens whenever you, ha- you know, when you're not exposed to black artists, whenever you are forming your tastes, how does that affect things? And, you know, of course, there's no there's no one clear answer because this isn't this isn't science in that way. But I think it's important questions to, to ask and, and to think about. And because your your opinions and what you're taught and when you're in, you know, when you grow up in these environments that we are all in under, you know, institutional racism, historical racism and all that, where all these, where there are all these choices being made that are not necessarily our own, that it affects what we're exposed to. It, ex- it affects what we see as valuable. It affects what we see as as intricate, as intellectual, as as meaningful. And that can affect how we see other groups of people. And that's that's really the idea. You're not gonna find any hot takes in this. We're not I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to be controversial or or I'm just trying to be clear. So this is, you know, these are, these are ideas that are pretty standard coming from a, of a, a standard, you know, anti-racism point of view doing my best with that. And so, but, but that, but you know, that topic is a little messy and a little tricky. And so if, if there's any, if there's any, any of you out there that, uh, that agree with my first Point and are on board with me with that and they're still here for that and there's some things that I get wrong or you know stumble a little bit or or maybe just something that does that that doesn't I don't know maybe something came across different in a way that I intended then, then let me know you know hit me in some comments or something um because I, I would 
I would like to hear from you. If you're going to respond with, you know, racism, you know, with like some some triggered some triggered white man stuff, um, then, uh, you know, there's plenty of other spaces for you to do that. You're you're probably not you're not gonna like my show. So that's really it. If you're gonna respond with that energy, that vibe, that typical triggered white man stuff, this then my show's probably not for you. Not everything's for you, kiddo. So there's plenty of other stuff out there for you. So this ain't it. Because I'm going to talk, I talk about, I talk about racism. Um, Cause I care because it's an important issue and I care about it. So, uh, so yeah, I think I just wanted to give a quick little, so yeah. So, uh, I hope you guys enjoy you know, being a fly on the wall while Robert and I unpack these things, try to articulate how we feel. So anyway, adios, guys. Um, we do on the podcast, right? I think so. All right, so here we are. Uh, this is the Richard Wooten Podcast, episode two. Uh, what's the date? August 13th. August 13th. Cool. It's so, a Friday. Yeah. So we're recording this on August 13th and, uh, I'm going to address the elephant in the room. This is not, this is not a funny thing. So if you know me, you know that, uh, my mother just recently passed away and I just wanted to, I just wanted to address that and mention it, um, because I don't know if you know anything about my life and you're listening to this podcast, you would expect me to mention it. I feel so I'm mentioning it. I mean, hell, um, if you listen to the first episode of this podcast, uh, you may have heard some things about. Yeah, that. I am. I am so incredibly grateful that we decided to do that episode when we decided to do it, because she was in the hospital at the time, um, but she was fine when we did that. So. It'll be a. I'm excited to listen back to it because I feel like it's going to be a really nice snapshot. Um, but I don't. I don't really want to go too much into. Because my mother is so influential on me, especially and my experience with music and my my life, and I'm not really. I haven't really processed much because I've been so busy. So I don't really. At some point, I want to kind of really kind of unpack all that and mm -hmm. but tonight is not the night um so but i just wanted to address that and um but yeah and so we're going to kind of continue on with what our normal plans were because that's what my mother would want <laughs> she'd want you rolling down the road she she'd want me to uh to criticize some subtle some subtle things so um on the last episode, we were talking about the musical environments that we grew up in. Um, you, and, and so we sort of, we, we mentioned some things concerning racism, uh, specifically the right. Confederate flag. Um, because Showing it, up in all sorts of places. In, in all sorts of places. And, and, and explicitly on this Alabama album cover. And so I... 
I wanted to I wanted to sort of just kind of bring that up and sort of address some of that stuff, do like a little addendum because I feel like um I feel like I was kind of softball being you know like kind of skirting around like being maybe being a little bit of a confederate flag apologist and that's not how I feel and that and I just want to just take this chance to like absolutely stomp that motherfucker out is what you're saying yes yeah 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 like stomp that shit out and say that it's it's not like that there's no ounce or fiber of my being that thinks that using the confederate flag or displaying it in any way shape or form is okay yep um it's not negotiable i don't care i don't care um and so um so yeah so now so a little bit a little bit of context so this is this is why i feel that way about the confederate flag now am i trying to say that alabama are a bunch of violent racists absolutely not Am I saying that people... I don't think so, anyway. <laughs> I don't know that they're not. I... <laughs> um, Shit, man. These days? You've, you've seen that guy's mud. Look at this. Look at this. That's the mustache of a murderer. Um, it's the mullet of a madman. <laughs> and, um, and so, like, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that if someone uses... If someone displays a Confederate flag, flag or if they look at it and have a positive emotion, that that incriminates them of being a violent racist. That's not what I am saying. Um, but I, I think the bigger issue is that maybe you saw that flag growing up and maybe that's not what it meant to you. Maybe it didn't mean something racist to you. It was just sort of a thing that you saw. And so you do, you have like a nostalgic attachment to it. You saw it on the top of Dukes of Hazard, or you saw it right. on Dimebag's guitar or you, wherever you saw it, or you saw it on a patch on your dad's jacket. Like I did. Like you saw it in places where you assumed, well, if this person has this on them or near them or with them or whatever, this is in this place that I feel safe in, that I feel welcome in, then it must not be a bad thing. Right. right. Maybe I don't know what it means necessarily, but it can't be that bad, right? Right. It, it's like and seeing like. it's like seeing like the footprints poem. <laughs> like the <laughs> like just go on. Just stuff that you see around when you're growing up. And it's like, oh well, I see crosses. I see I see the like, and when there was one set of steps, it's because I carried you. And I see a Confederate flag. You know what I mean? And it's just it's just all sort of part of the decorum. Of, of how you're growing up. It's just it's just a background noise. It doesn't, you know, you didn't choose to see it and and it's sort of it just it's just there, right? That's really yeah. Weird. The footprints thing is like is that a southern thing you think? I don't I have no idea. That uh, shit was everywhere. <laughs> Absolutely. Um and so but this is the thing. Someone at some point who displayed that Confederate flag flag Maybe it was your dad, maybe it was your mom, maybe it was your grandpa, maybe it was your great-grandpa, maybe it was your neighbor, maybe it was your uncle. Yeah. Someone put that flag up because they had a problem with black people. And there's no way around that. There's no way around that. Um, maybe it wasn't, maybe it wasn't you. Maybe you didn't, maybe that, because maybe that's not what it means to you. But at some point, that's what it meant to someone. And that's why you saw it in the first place. And so right. you said something about like seeing it around in a place that you feel safe. And so you assume, and, and that, 
I feel like that's that's really the nail on the head because, you know, where I grew up, I grew up in not just Dayton, but a small town outside of Dayton. Okay. And you grew up in the Dayton to to Liberty's Dayton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I grew up in Kinnefic. Yeah. Um, if you're not from there, you don't really know what the hell that means. But right. Yeah. My zip code, my my mailing address was still Dayton. I still went to Dayton schools. You know, there's not a post office out there, but it is a different area. Um, and so, and I also, you know, and so when we moved out there in 1989, there was. When you go over the tracks, um, this is a story my mom told me, like when you go over the tracks past where we lived, there was a sign that had a noose nailed to it that said, this is the only way that insert racial slur, that A, insert racial slur, leaves Kinefic. Okay? That's 1989. That's not 1952 Alabama. Okay, that's 1989. Right. Okay. So there's there's one little piece of information to sort of put on the board. Okay, there's one little reference point. Okay. Um, a second reference point is that in high school, I delivered pizzas. Okay. So I saw all the neighborhoods in like a 12-mile radius mm-hmm. because that's how pizza delivery works in small towns if you don't know. More or less, yeah. And and you would see Confederate flags in people's yards. Not a big deal. It, it sort of had like the equivalent, like if I if you drive if I drive around like if you drive around a lot of neighborhoods in Houston, you see like UT or LSU or right, you know, Texas A and M or right. Yeah, this is my team. You but know, that's probably a good way of saying it. Probably. Uh, and and I have to tell you, a disproportionate amount. The majority of those flags, not all of them, but most of them were on the other side of those tracks. Okay? Now, that was 15 years later. That that sign with the noose in 89 wasn't there for long, right? Um, but, and so, and then, and then, and then here, these, 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 I'm, I'm kind of jumping around in time a little bit, but so, but the point I'm getting to is that if you have those flags displayed, One out of, you know, does everyone who display that flag, does everyone who displays a Confederate flag, are they a violent racist? No. But you're, you are helping to create a space that feels safe right. for violent racists. Someone who feels safe enough to take a noose, to, to buy some rope, to make it into a noose, to nail it to a sign, to put it on a public piece of land, to write on it. And for it to be left there, and Confederate flags contribute to creating that environment. And yeah, maybe you didn't feel safe, but I guarantee you that black people do not feel, would not have felt safe where I grew up. Correct. And here's a very tangible example of that. So in like around 1993, some friends of the family were over at our house, and we were eating in the front yard. And... um you know, the dad looks at my mom, you know, and he says, uh, hey, Terry, do you think this is a good idea for us to be eating, eating outside like this? And my mom was confused. She's like, what are you talking about? She's like, well, we're in Kinefic. 
more black. Mom's like, oh, shut up. No, no one cares. Okay. That night, there's a message on our answering machine. Okay. Threatening us that if they ever see N words, blah, 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 in our yard again, blah, 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 blah. Okay. This is real. I'm not making this up. Okay. This is, this is my, this is the real background of my childhood. Okay. This is, these are real things. Okay. So in a place where Confederate flags are prominently displayed, are you going to tell me it's a coincidence that in a place where Confederate flags were not uncommon to see, where it was not uncommon to see for, for a noose to be nailed to a sign that someone and you've seen my street. There's like six fan, there's six houses on that street. One of our neighbors, one of our yeah. neighbors, not hard to figure out when that happens. Saw saw us having a meal with our family friends who happened to be black. Told one of their friends who told one of their friends who found our number and felt empowered enough. They felt safe enough in this environment to call a stranger's house and threaten us, a widow and her child. Why? Because we were friends with black people in Kinefic, and that was enough to threaten us. So this Confederate flag business, it's a, that's the legacy it creates. That's what it's a part of. Yeah. And there's a reason that they changed that album cover over time, or some, somebody made them, I think probably more to the point. I, ha I know I know nothing about Alabama as individuals other than I absolutely love their fucking music. That's all I know. Um, yeah. And so I, I have no idea. I don't, oh, okay. I thought that was the thing. Was what a, do you mean? That somebody had like forced that to happen. I have no idea. Okay. I, I, I don't okay. know. I have no idea. For all I know, they like, I don't know when the album cover was changed. Because this is first pressing, man. This is OG, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, so I don't know, man. They might have called him up. They might have called him up at ninety two and been like, "This is bullshit. We got chases." I don't know. A few weeks later, yeah, sure. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Um, Was it a fact that somebody told somebody that told somebody like it, like a fucking game of telephone, the fact that black people were at your house? Okay, so I don't know that that's a fact because I don't know who left the message, uh -huh. but I know that it wasn't a neighbor. It wasn't directly. I know that I must have been a neighbor you just who knew that saw it. Wasn't it. One of your direct neighbors, right? Because I I knew all them very well. I would have known. We would have known their voice. Right. You know. Um, yeah. And we I mean, don't like that alone, like that it became gossip at all tells you yes. kind of what you need to know there. Yes. Um, and, uh, and so, and like, so it's just, it's, 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 it's complicity is. Yeah. Like, can you, can you imagine, can you, like, can you just imagine what it must have been like for that man to have the thought in his head of like, Oh well, you know Terry comes over to our house and you know and loves our kids and blah 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 blah. Maybe we'll, we'll go over there and it's like oh she lives in Kinnevik. Yeah, man. Because <clears throat> he had that thought, and he was like, okay, well if we go over there, then better make sure no one sees us. That that is an idea that that that's a concept that that we never have to think about. No, because like I, you know, I didn't like going into Kinefic sometimes. I didn't like going to certain places around there, but it wasn't for anywhere near the same sort of reason that they wouldn't have liked that. You're like those; these roads are really bumpy. 
well, that too, but I'm like, <laughs> some fucking weird-ass rednecks out here. But when you get down, down, but, you, you get... But it's you, me, you know, it's... I don't have to actually worry about the same sorts of things that he would have to worry about. Right. Yeah. Like it, it's no, no one like someone might look at you and judge you, but they're not judging you on the basis of your skin, you know? Um, and yeah, d- down deep in there, there's there, you, you get to where you find like, Oh, this is where the people without social security numbers live. Like there's a, you know, um, true there's a there's a different rhythm in 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 some of those parts and meth labs yeah and like i remember delivering pizzas out there once and i just remember driving by this house and like and like there just there just wasn't a front door (laughs) it just Just wasn't there and this guy's just sitting there at a chair looking out the front door and i was very scared at the time it was very you just didn't know what you were going to see. Like you were going to see that. And then the next house was going to be like full of monster trucks, like actual monster trucks. Um, and yeah. it was, it was hit or miss, man. You didn't know. And, um, but yeah, so, so that's sort of, I think that's my spiel on, on the, on the Confederate flag. Um, is there anything you wanted to throw out at that? I mean, I think you pretty much hit everything. Like, you know, seeing it in, seeing it on bumper stickers and just around town on fucking Dimebag's guitar was always a big one for me. It was always very confusing to me. Yeah. I was like, why? There must be something about this that I don't understand is, was sort of my thought mm-hmm. when I was 12 or some shit. Like, there must be something about this iconography that I don't get yet. Right. That makes it to where he wants it on his guitar. Right. What's cool about it? There must be something, right? Right. And, and it's just, it's really unfortunate that because... The positive things that it does represent to some Southern people are things that could be mutually exclusive. Like they could be completely separated from the racism because I think to some people, it's just a symbol of, because Southern pride does not mean racism. It does not have to mean racism. It doesn't have to, yeah. It do, it often does when people use those words, but it doesn't have to mean racism. You know, Southern pride could just mean, like, I'm proud to, you know, like, I don't need to be embarrassed just because I'm not from the city. That, and, that's really the, I, how you, I would describe it more is, like, I'm, I'm not embarrassed to be from the South. Like, yeah. Any, I don't know, any sort of where I'm from blank pride has always, like, rung completely false to me. Because he, right, because you didn't fucking, choose it. You know, whatever, you didn't do anything to... Right. Yeah. I, I, I kind of feel that way too, but uh, you know, at the same, at the same time I can, if I distance myself and I look at it from the right angle, I can see how there is like, there's an, there's a, there's a niche that that symbol fills for like, okay, well just because I didn't go to some fancy college and I didn't do this and I didn't do that doesn't mean that I'm less valuable as a person, which is absolutely a thousand percent true. Sure. You're not, you're not, it doesn't like, all humans are, in, are have intrinsic value, um, and but I wish there was a different symbol that represented that that wasn't the symbol used by an army that lost a war over slavery, or rather over slave or over states' rights to impose slavery. You know, like yeah. <laughs> if there, you know, so um, and if you don't, yeah, like. Let it go, guys. Let it go. <laughs> um, like, in, adopt the fucking General Lee, but without the flag on top, doing a sick corkscrew off the ramp. 
Right. Have that be the flag. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, something like there's a there, there there's 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 a way to do it. You there's know what I mean? Certainly a whole like a litany of things you could pick from. Right. Far uh, cooler than this. Right than that. Um. Okay. So then, so there's that. Now then, the other aspect of the racist stuff, racism stuff that we talked about, that we sort of touched on was like a exposure to. Like, like, because, you know, in our playlists, you know, there was a, a, a very, you know, not a lot of black artists on there. It was, it was pretty bright in there. It was pretty bright in there. A little bit. And so, and so I, I wanted to sort of riff on that a, a little bit because I don't, obviously, I hope it's obvious that I'm not saying that if you didn't listen to black music as a kid, then you're a racist. That's not... That's absolutely not what I'm saying. If you if that's what you got from it, you have probably already stopped listening anyway. So, um, but I just I just sort of wanted to, to to sort of riff on that concept and riff on why I think it's important. So, the first thing to understand is that um, there's a history of segregation in in radio and in the airwaves in the country, especially in the South. And I'm I'm not gonna like unpack all that history. It's there. Go find it. Um, you know, R and early R and B was literally called race music, and so, you know, so the idea is that if if you're not, if the only time that you're exposed to black artists or black music is whenever it is performing some type of function. To you, like, oh, this it's it's a it's physical music, it's dance music, or it's what I listened to in high school. I listened to rap music to piss my parents off, or whatever. Um, but it's not what you listen to. It's not what you consider, quote unquote, real music or sophisticated music. Um, then, if you don't examine that, that can lead you down these pathways of sort of assuming, well, black people don't make sophisticated music. Black people don't make real music. You you know black people. They're so physical. That they they're talented. You know? They're just they're just so talented. They're so soulful. Those things are just easy for them. And so it 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 depro- it, it gives you like this mechanism to sort of to fall into these racist tropes, you know, of because if you say someone is soulful, it seems like you're you're complimenting them, right? But oftentimes a compliment is a veiled insult because what are you saying that they don't have? Oh, we have to, they have soul. What do they not have? You're saying they don't have intellect is what you're really saying. And so, you know, by, by, you know, not being, by sort of, if, if it's just, if the environment is such that you're not exposed to, because for all the amazing music that we heard, there were um, there was amazing black artists making great music similarly, you know, I mean, not the exact same thing or whatever, you know, but, yeah. but we didn't hear that, you know what I mean? And like, and all those things are just as sophisticated or just as intricate or, you know, just as our, our, our incredible high levels of art and whatnot. And, and so, you know, you, you, I think it's important to reflect 
and to examine, you know, how your exposure on, on like the art that you're exposed to, how does that determine your tastes and how does that maybe determine, go into view, you know, changing your view of people, right? Because if all right. you know of black people is the art that they make and the only art that of black people that you have heard is music that you listened to when you went to a club, you know, music when music that you used as some type of functional way, then, you know, whenever you, whenever you, whenever you have real feelings, well, you're going to go listen to white artists, you know, because that's what, that's, that's the real art, you know? Um, I'm not saying all of these are necessarily true. I'm just saying like, these are, these are just like little pathways that you need to like point out, you know, because these are, these are things that I've heard people say, like, it's, it's the kind of thing that would lead true. to that, like that, that, that culminates in say like one of my music instructors saying rap isn't music. This was like pro, before, way before Ben Shapiro, this was in like 2002. It's like, it's like rap isn't music because it doesn't have melody and harmony. It's rhythmic chanting, but it's not music. These are, this is my music instructor. This is, you know, this is my mentor telling me this at the time. A weird distinction to make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's absolutely racist ideas wrapped up in that, you know? Um, and so at a minimum, there's classist ideas wrapped up in it, you know? It's safe to say both, I think. Um, and so... Yeah, and so the other thing I want to sort of add to this is that, again, you not being exposed to black music doesn't mean you're racist. But what it does mean is that um, you were sort of the, not the victim, but you were at the mercy of someone else's racist decisions because maybe it was a radio programmer. Maybe it was a radio programmer who said, oh, well, you know, these people don't like Prince. They won't like, you know, they won't like Stevie Wonder. They won't like this. This isn't for this demographic. Right. You know, or that, that was kind of something I wanted to bring up as well was, you know, because we had such a dearth of that in our previous list, it almost made it, I think it probably came off like, well, the people that I was around when I was hearing this music on this list, they didn't play black music. They didn't know about black music that, and that's not what I was trying to get across. No, they weren't exposed. Yeah, or or maybe they had some, and that is, I just didn't fucking hear it. True, it, that could be the case. I don't know. Sure, this you, is that was just what we sort of. Right. And and when these things have so many layers, right? Like it could be, it could be that like, oh well, you know, that precedent of keeping radio separate. So you know, like, oh, well, we're gonna hear Glenn Fry, but we're not gonna hear Michael Jackson. You know, you're gonna you're gonna hear like Eric Clapton's like hard R and B run, but I never heard a single Michael Jackson song growing up. Wow. I never heard a single one. So you, so you're like, are you going to tell me that like my mom was like this like watered down R R and B with electric guitar that like Glenn Fry and Don Henley and all these guys were doing in the eighties, but that she would have just hated Michael. J I don't think I, I'm not going to buy that. You know what I mean? Um, but these things have all sorts of layers, right? Like, so maybe it was a radio programmer making it, you know, um, or maybe it was a DJ or maybe it was your grandfather telling your mother that, well, no, I'm not going to buy that record for you. I'm not going to buy the Supremes record for you because there's black people on the front of it. Right, right. And so then exactly. your mother isn't doesn't have the chance to develop a relationship with music made by black people. 
you know, yeah. um, things like that. And so, I mean, it's a lot, it's a lot of uh, culminations or byproducts of systemic racism, right? And and I, and I guess that's that's really like the big point, right? That I'm trying to make. It's like this is this is this this especially is a, is a byproduct of systemic racism because it it has to do with like the historical precedents set with segregating radio and like black music here, white music there, you know. That's that's honestly not something I didn't even really know about. Oh yeah. Until like very very recently. For sure. I mean looking back it's pretty obvious, but For sure, man. Uh, I mean, you yeah. know, the the dirty dan the you know, the movie Dirty Dancing does a good job of sort of like portraying that Really? That, yeah, absolutely. Because the whole thing was it was like I don't remember Dirty Dancing very much. So there's a whole like, you know, like a two worlds thing going on where like there's the dance instructors that go and do the nice ballroom and the stuff for like all the rich people. But then what the dancers themselves do is they, you know, they go down to a basement and they do dirty dancing. They get dirty, yeah. You know. Christina Aguilera. And so. Ahead of her time. So ahead of her time. After her time. Yeah, she was so ahead of her time because cause time is a flat circle. She went all the way back. Yeah. Um you know, so, but, but just that idea of like, you know, um, that, well, you know, th that it's another world and over there it's dirty and it's dangerous and it's, oh, it's the dance that black people are doing, you know, and stuff like that. And, and there's like, all of those are just such loaded concepts, especially for, white people's minds and perceptions in the 60s and in the 70s whenever our parents or you know when when our parents tastes were being formed which would then go on to form our tastes you know yeah and a lot of stuff like that was romanticized in a lot of ways oh for and sure sort of, sort of became okay mm -hmm. and even aspirational right in some ways and so like you know i guess like my my thesis what i'm trying to say is that i think that our parents would have would have if they would have been exposed, like if it just would have all been thrown out at the same time, I think I think that we would have grown up hearing, you know, a little more Stevie Wonder or a little more of this. If my dad yeah. liked Santana and Black Sabbath, then he would have liked Funkadelic. I don't know if you've listened to those early Funkadelic records, but they're fucking crazy. Like, you know what I mean? Like if he liked anything psychedelic, he would have liked that too. He just wasn't exposed to it. Um, yeah. And so, or Marvin, got, you know, I Marvin Gaye or whatever, you know. I bet I would have been into some Earth, Wind, and Fire when I was a little kid. Because they're undeniably amazing. <laughs> um, September is one of the best songs ever written. Anyway, you can't go wrong with any Earth, Wind, and Fire. Just put their whole discography and hit shuffle. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Um, and so, but anyway, so this is the other thing, right? Because this is, I think, the last thing I want to say. All right, Bill Withers, Okay. Familiar with Bill Withers? Ain't No Sunshine? Yes, absolutely. Just not the name, apparently. Okay, so this is the thing. Bill Withers is the talk the talk, walk the walk of the ideals that our parents claimed to respect and idolize so much. Okay? So Bill motherfucking Withers, nine years in the Navy, okay, was working in assembly plants, used his own money to make his demo tapes, okay? And he kept his motherfucking factory job, okay? Because he's like, the music industry is a fickle mistress. I'll, I'm going to keep my day job. 
So I'm talking, yeah. I'm talking ain't no sunshines on the radio, okay? Ain't no sunshine goes motherfucking gold. Okay, it goes gold. All right? And this guy's still at his factory job making bathrooms for 747s. That's like that's like the blue collar mythos right there. You know, it's like, well, you know, just looking at making songs like it's a craft and like I had this idea for a story. I wanted to figure out how to do this. Da, 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 you know, but I'm still a hardworking man. Da, 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 da. Right. You know, like that is the exact thing that our parents' generation claim to, like Bill Withers should have been, like we should have heard stories growing up about like, you hear that song? You know, he made that music and he kept his factory job. Like that's, that's what they, you know what I mean? Like, because he knows that if you're a, if you're a hardworking man, that that's better than being some rock star or some this or some that, you know, or whatever. That, that's How, that ideal that you would hear about. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, like I, th- I think whatever record label was on, I think I read that they like, they like made like a gold plated toilet seat and gave it to him. Because he was technically making bathrooms, which that might have been like a fucking veiled insult. Yeah, I was like, is that a super slap in the face, <laughs> or is that like? I wonder how he felt about that. Yeah, that that might have been like um, that might have been like a. Did he put that on his wall, or did he, he did he shit it in it? <laughs> it might have been like a hey motherfucker, will you quit this job and go tour and make us some goddamn money? <laughs> um, that might have been what that was, but but anyway, so, uh, so yeah, I is there anything you wanted to add to that? I mean, I think we hit most of what I was probably going to say. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, cool. So yeah. the pin I want to put in that is like, you know, dig what you dig and don't be ashamed to dig what you dig. Because whatever got into, whatever music got into, you you know, affected your childhood or, or affected you at any time and that you love, then love it, man, because it's all amazing. Okay. Um, but just know that your tastes weren't formed in a vacuum. Right. They happened in a cultural context and forces that are at work that are not your choice. And so you just be aware of that. But that should not diminish your love of what you, you know, your, your, the amount that you love the music that you love. Okay. I'm not yeah. trying to, you shouldn't feel like still listen to Pantera and love Pantera. Like, like I'm still going to probably go home and play the first few notes of like sweet home alabama like i'm and, still and, probably and gonna it, do that because it's amazing music and, and and you still should just just know that using that symbolism is a little problematic just be cognizant of where that shit came from and <laughs> yeah the sort of the sort of place that was spawned from yeah so all right done with racism <laughs> or, I, I really thought you were just gonna like throw that shit across the room do you know the real records in here <laughs> yeah, fuck okay, that okay. no Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> um Okay, so just wanted to come on, do a quick outro. Um, I'm not totally happy with how we ended that. Um, and I just kind of wanted to acknowledge that, you know, acknowledge the, the privilege, you know, like kind of the, the, you know, Robert and I, are we have we have the privilege of deciding what level of that what 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 level we choose to engage with problematic art 
you know, we're able to sort of, oh, well, you know, that, that influenced me and that really means a lot to me. So I'm going to do the work to get over it. Um, and we wouldn't have that option if we were, if we were part of, or we, we we wouldn't have that option the same way if we were part of the group that the artist was being bigoted towards. And so for, you know, me to say at the end of it something like, and done with racism, you know, done with racism. You know, that's kind of, that's real privileged and insensitive and kind of ignorant. Um, you know, because we can, because that's how we can interact with this. You know, obviously I meant done with the topic for the, sh for that show, particular show, but, um, you know, we are able to choose how, you know, we're able to like, all right, well, let's talk about racism. And then we can, when we're done, we can then put it aside because, the racism won't find us, and that's not true for everyone. And I just wanted to acknowledge that. And so, and and there is a difference when it comes to art, artists and what they're put out. You know, there's 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 a difference between an artist that happened to use a Confederate flag on an album cover forty years ago, and an artist that is actively saying bigoted things. Um, or that has said bigoted things from the stage or has written songs about bigoted, hateful things. And so you, you, you know, and I think you, I think you as a, as a listener, you know, should interrogate those things individually and, and consider how you want to, you know, I, th I, I personally think it's up to you. If you never want to listen to a certain artist again because of some things that they've said or some things you found out they said, I think that that's okay. If you want to engage with their art, but you don't want you never want to see them live again, I think that's okay. I think it's I think it's up to you. I don't think there's one right answer. I think it's going to vary. I think it's going to vary from artist to artist. And situation to situation. So, anyway, I just wanted to add a little more salty. Um, I felt like we kind of wrapped a bow around it at the end a little, a little more, like glossed over it a little bit more than we should. Kind of like, okay, well, just acknowledge that racism exists, and then go back to loving everything just the way that you should. And that's not what I mean. I think you should inter. I think you should actively interrogate these things. I should. I think you should actively. Um, engage and listen to the lyrics, you know, are there, are there, you know, or, you know, if you find out about an artist saying some racist, bigoted things on stage, I think you should watch that footage. And I think you should consider if this is an artist that you want to continue supporting, giving your money to. And I think you should hold them accountable. And I think you should criticize them for the things that they do wrong. So. I think that's it. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed, you know, a nice little window into my thought press on these types of things. So, 
Adiós.